Hello everybody, this is Jess. I have a brand new book for you called All You Need Is Love. Now need is spelled K-N-E-A-D because I believe it is something about bread. And um, it is by Tanya Guerrero, if you want to pronounce it correctly, I suppose. And um, it takes place in Barcelona, which I'm excited about. Um, And this is especially for Elliot. Usually, she is a co-host, at least, if not the only host and reader, Um, but we are far apart at the moment, so this is just for Elliot and anyone else who happens to be listening. Um, And I would say this is more of a middle schooler or almost middle schooler kind of read. Uh, The main character is 12. So if you are five, eh, you might like it, maybe not, not sure. Okay, here we go. So this is on the like the, after the dedication page, it's a quote from Ursula Le Guin. Love doesn't just sit there like a stone. It has to be made like bread, remade all the time, made new. Mm, That does sound like it might be about bread. All right, here we go. Chapter one. I wore my last remaining girly shirt to the airport. It was pastel purple with a tiny frill at the sleeve and collar and two heart-shaped silver buttons. It was exactly the kind of shirt mom used to buy me, and the kind of shirt I swore I would never buy. Not anymore. Especially since it was already two sizes too small. But it didn't matter. I stood as straight as I could, angling my shoulders and neck the same way a ballet dancer would. I knew how because my parents had season tickets to the New York City Ballet at Lincoln Center. The shirt, the stance, the touch of Vaseline I dabbed on my lips. It was my last-ditch effort to stay in New York City where I belonged. Maybe Mom would take one look at me and change her mind. um, I don't know how to say this. Qatar Airways Flight 5179 to Barcelona will begin boarding first class, business class, and families with young children at gate C7 in 10 minutes, a woman's voice announced. Okay, this is it. I fluttered my eyelashes. Mom smoothed her silk scarf with her delicate fingers. She glanced at me, but it was like she wasn't really seeing me, like she was skimming the newspaper with her tortoiseshell eyes. Well, Mom stepped closer into the light. Her skin was flawless, her lips a matte burgundy, her eyebrows perfectly arched. I hope hope you take this time to reflect, Alba, to make some changes. I think Spain will be good for you. I exhaled. My ballet posture deflated. Okay, I mumbled. Suddenly, there was a mass of people crowding around us, bumping up with their carry-on bags as they lined up. A lady in a uniform the same shade as Mom's lipstick approached us. She had this ridiculous hat tilted on her head with a small gold pin of a deer or impala or whatever. Hello, Mrs. Green. I'm Sophia, and I'll be taking care of Alba on the flight. The lady smiled and bowed her head, and then she placed one of those sticky label thingies on the side of my chest. I glanced down at it and read from upside down, Alba Green, QR5179, unaccompanied minor. The label made me feel like a dumb kid. Thank you, Sophia. May I have a moment with my daughter? Said mom. Of course. The flight attendant stayed put. She half turned, focusing her gaze on the glass window with the big white airplane on the other side. I stared at my black converse and wondered what would happen if I dropped my backpack and ran. How far would I get before someone caught me? Alba, I looked up. Please, try not to hate me. This will be good for you. You'll see, said Mom, placing her hand on my cheek. I stood there, speechless. No matter how Mom framed it, 
The bottom line was, I was being cast out, banished. Mom had finally made good on her threats. We should go, said the flight attendant over her shoulder. I stepped away, but Mom pulled me back. Wait. She had tears in her eyes, tears that dribbled down her cheeks, leaving grayish mascara tracks on her pale skin. I was shocked. I had never seen her cried. Cry. Crying is undignified. Those were her words, not mine. Mahalkita, she said so softly I could barely hear her. I probably pronounced that wrong. It means I love you in Tagalog. She only ever spoke it when Dad was around. Out of habit, I scanned the terminal, but he was nowhere in sight. Maybe she was just being sentimental. Whatever. I moved backwards slowly. I watched her wipe her face with the tips of her fingers. The tears were gone and so was her makeup. Under her right eye, the skin was a yellowish green, the color of a nearly faded bruise. Bye, Mom. I turned my back on her like she'd turned her back on me. I walked off and followed the clicking of the flight attendant's high heels. Click, clack, click, clack. She gave my ticket and passport to another lady with the same uniform on, on, and then we turned into a corridor. The flight attendant started talking, blah, blah, blah. I like your short hair. It's so cute. Perfect for summer in Spain. I nodded and kept on walking with heavy feet. For once, I just wanted to stay home with mom, even if it meant being around dad. Not that dad was around much. When he was, it seemed like he could barely stand being in the same room as me. He didn't want me. And of course, mom did whatever he wanted. So I guess she didn't want me either. I paused at the crack between the walkway and the entrance to the plane. My breath halted for a second and then heaved as if there was only a bit of oxygen left on earth. Alva? The flight attendant touched my arm. I flinched. This was it, my last chance to run. My heart pounded against my chest, creeping up my throat until it felt, felt like I was choking. I coughed, then swallowed. But the lump of fear, of anger, of sadness, of regret stayed put. They really didn't want me. I was alone. I stepped over the threshold, because what did I have left to lose? Nothing. Whew, that was an intense start. Chapter two. Of course, I mean, I gotta, gotta talk out loud about this. I'm pretty sure, because this is a book for children, that the parents, of course, do want her, but it sounds like they're having some problems. Dad's never around. Mom has a bruise, maybe, under her eye? Um, and they seem to have a problem with, like, how she dresses. Like, she's trying to look more girly to make her mom happy and let her stay or something. So I'm thinking there's some big stuff going on. But we'll find out as we go. Chapter 2. I'd forgotten how small airplane bathrooms were. As long as I stood in the same spot, there was just enough room to place my backpack on the lid of the toilet, pull out my extra clothes, and change. Oh yeah, she totally doesn't want to wear that shirt. I stuffed the purple shirt deep into the bottom of my bag. Breathe. I stared at myself from the mirror. It was me. The real me. Not the me I'd fabricated for mom's sake. I had on my favorite t-shirt, which I'd found in a thrift store. It was faded and gray, featuring a glam rock David Bowie with a red bolt of lightning striking through his face. Mom hated it, and Dad hated it even more. It's kind of ironic, since Mom was the one who'd introduced me to David Bowie's music. I remembered it like it was yesterday, because it was the first time I'd gotten suspended from school. I'd hurled an open carton of chocolate milk at Alexis, the sixth-grade mean girl who insisted on making my school life a living hell. Oh, I guess hell's not that bad of a word, but there we go. We were in a cab on the way home. Mom's lips were sealed tight. She had nothing left to say to me. All she did was sit stiffly on the other side of the seat, as far away from me as possible. Once in a while, I'd steal a glance at her as she glared through the window, 
unmoving. But then a song came up on the radio. The cab driver turned the volume up. But I try, I try, never gonna fall for modern love. I wish I knew that song. I could sing it to you, but you'll have to listen. I think it's David Bowie. You'll have to look it up. All of a sudden, I noticed Mom's fingers tapping to the beat. Seconds later, the tip of her high-heeled shoe joined in. Then she began mouthing the lyrics. I was surprised. More shocked, really. I couldn't remember ever having seen her bopping to a song before. Huh. I scooched a bit closer and then mustered the courage to speak. This song, it's cool, I mumbled. Mom jumped as if I'd spooked her out of a daydream. But then her lips unsealed themselves, curling into a slight smile. It's David Bowie, an icon. I used to listen to him when I was your age. As soon as we got home, I looked up David Bowie online, and I'd become obsessed ever since. Somehow, his music made me feel closer to Mom, even though in reality she was far away, distant and cold. And now she literally was far away. Pretty soon, an entire ocean would come between us. Just forget about her, Alba. I grabbed a tissue and wiped the gloss off my lips. Then I splashed cold water on my face and ran wet fingers through my hair. Boy hair, Mom liked to call it. She always put on a judgy voice whenever she said it, as if short hair wasn't a girl thing, as if short hairstyles were exclusive to lesbians. I'd heard Dad say that once. I'd heard Dad say that once when he thought I wasn't listening, except he used a different term for it, spitting it out like a curse word. Whatever. I went back to my seat in economy. Mom and Dad always flew business class, but I guess I wasn't good enough for that. Other passengers were milling along the aisle. They looked like happy, fresh-faced tourists. Families with kids on summer vacation, couples going on their honeymoons, backpackers excited to explore the world, and then there was me. Poor, pathetic me. I was probably the only 12-year-old on board, being sent off against her will to live with her estranged grandmother. Any second, someone would whip out the world's tiniest violin. Honey, please fasten your seatbelt. We'll be taking off shortly. I glanced at the flight attendant. Okay, I said, making a big show of snapping my seatbelt together. She went away. I was alone again. Not completely alone, but sort of. The seat next to me was empty, but in the seat next to that, there was an old guy with really thick glasses reading a really thick book. Every once in a while, he'd glance at me. I knew the look. It was the same one I got every time someone was trying to figure out if I was a boy or a girl. I was so over it. I just ignored him and stared at the tray table in front of me. The flight attendants were doing their safety demonstration. Blah, blah, blah. I wasn't paying attention. Finally, the engine rumbled. I closed my eyes and waited for the surge. A minute, maybe two, maybe five passed. Then, whoosh, the airplane thrust forward. For some reason, I coughed. I choked. My heartbeat thump, 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 thumped. It felt like I was running farther and farther from dad's angry gaze, mom screaming faster and faster. My arm hurt. Someone was squeezing it. Let's go. I thought it was just a voice in my head, but then I heard a gasp. My eyes snapped open. The old man with the book. His hand was touching my arm. I'm sorry, he said. I didn't mean to scare you. Are you all right? I nodded, but I wasn't all right. Far from it. The man took his hand away with this bewildered look. He went back to his reading. Now that the plane had leveled off, the passengers around me were relaxing. Some flipped through magazines. Others watched movies on the screens in front of them. But I was too tense for any of that. My shoulders were stiff, my chest tight, as if there was a giant rubber band stretched across my rib cage. I tried closing my eyes. Maybe I could just sleep the entire way there. Right, if only. Wishful thinking. Instead, I peered out the window. We were already high up in the air, flying above the trees and buildings and roads and people. They became smaller and smaller, turning into little Lego trees and little Lego buildings and little Lego people. We flew into the clouds. They made me feel kind of better. 
like maybe this wasn't the end of the world. Whatever was up ahead, wherever I was going, couldn't possibly as, be as bad as what I was leaving behind. Right? Chapter 3. Sophia, the flight attendant, was hovering behind me. Her minty breath wafted past my neck into my nostrils. Do you see your grandmother, she asked. Good question. The last time I'd seen Abuela Lola, I was three or four years old, a time I referred to as the good old days. Aha, I hear, I see a sense of the problems in the family. Before Dad started drinking too much. Yep, that's a problem. Before he became a controlling, abusive jerk. Before he forbade Mom from seeing any of her family or friends or anyone who defied him. Yikes. Felt like eons ago. Now Abuela Lola was merely a distant memory, a faded photo, someone I sort of, kind of, remembered. Her name was actually Magdalena, but we'd always referred to her as Abuela Lola, Grandma Grandma. Abuela was Spanish, and Lola was Tagalog. Apparently, I always mixed up the languages when I was little, hence Abuela Lola. I, I scanned the crowd on the other side of the cordoned off area. There were families with kids hopping, uniformed dudes holding Welcome to Barcelona placards, random people craning their necks at the arriving passengers, and then there was this older lady with silver-streaked hair, gold hoop earrings, and a bright orange blouse with embroidered flowers. That's got to be her, right? Her gaze drifted, landing on me for a second before moving on. I wasn't the person she was looking for, but something about her seemed familiar. The shape of her face, her cheekbones, high and angular, just like mom's. I think that's her, I said in a hushed voice. Sophia led the way. Click, clack, click, clack. Mrs. Mrs. Rodriguez, she said. The older lady glanced at Sophia and then at me. She squinted. Alba? Before I could react, her mouth opened wide and she wiggle danced in place. Alba, it's you. You're here. You're really here. For a moment, I stood there, not knowing what to do or say. Abuela Lola's excitement was confusing. When she reached over the metal barrier and pulled me toward her, it confused me even more. My instinct was to pull away, but her hands were soft and warm, and something about the way she smelled like warm caramel made me lean into her embrace. Well, I'll be going now. Enjoy your visit, Alba, Sophia said before leaving. Abuela Lola finally let go, nudging me down the barricade. Go on to the end of the barrier. I'll meet you there. All right. I should have been walking faster. My feet were dragging. Thank God for my rollaway suitcase. Otherwise, I might have wobbled. I gripped its handle and steadied myself. The barricade ended. Abuela Lola watched me, tilting her head as if she was studying a painting in a museum. I smiled. It felt unnatural. My lips and cheeks stretched awkwardly. It had been a while since I'd used those muscles. I should have recognized you. Your eyes are just like your mother, she said. I knew that. When I was younger, I used to watch mom sitting in front of her vanity, sweeping her long lashes with mascara. You have my eyes, Alba. When you're older, I'll teach you how to make them even more beautiful. Yeah, I replied. Abuela Lola opened her arms. Come here and give me a proper hug. I held my breath and wandered into her embrace. I knew she could feel how stiff I was, but it didn't stop her from smothering me. She even made a mmm sound. So, she said, letting go of me, I've got an Uber waiting for us outside. Why don't we get out of here? I didn't say anything. I just followed her through the crowd, past the automated doors, and into a shiny black sedan. The car cruised and swerved and turned. Abuela Lola was quiet. I think she knew I was overwhelmed. I mean, I was. How could I not be? I just left my life behind, flown across the Atlantic Ocean on a plane by myself, landed in another country, and met up with a grandmother I hadn't seen in ages. She was practically a stranger, and there she was hugging me, like no biggie, like she'd seen me last Thanksgiving or Christmas or something. I peeked at Abuela Lola's profile, 
trying to remember anything about her, perhaps a memory that might somehow comfort me. But there wasn't much to remember, except maybe her scent. I had this vague recollection of a kitchen, the smell of vanilla beans and orange peels wafting in the air. She turned and her gaze found mine. I blinked and looked down at my lap at my fingers twisting and turning into one another. My skin prickled. It was my nerves. They were on edge. Everything was just too much, especially Abuela Lola. Her eyes, her smile, her presence. I wanted to slide farther away from her, but I didn't want to hurt her feelings, so I stayed put. That's when she reached out and cut my hand in hers. I tried hard not to react, but my palm twitched and I sucked my breath fast. As obvious as it was, she acted as if she hadn't noticed. Maybe she had, but she was just, and she was just pretending she didn't. Either way, she smiled and pointed at the passing scenery. Look, you probably don't remember much of it, do you? She was right. Barcelona was as distant to me as Abuela Lola was. I glanced out the window. Ultra-modern glass structures stood by old buildings that looked like giant sculptures. Monuments and palm trees dotted the spaces in between, and cruise ships, all sorts of ships, rested on the sea beyond. It was a weird city, sort of like a collage. Pieces of it didn't seem to match, but when you looked at it as a whole, it kind of made sense. I had no memory of this place, none whatsoever. After 15 or 20 minutes, we veered to the left into a large rotary. Uh, I think that's like a roundabout is the word I use for it, like a road that goes in a circle. At the center was a tall metal pillar with a statue on top. Abuela Lola let go of my hand and gestured the statue. That's the Christopher Columbus Monument. We're almost home. Home. I attempted to swallow, except there was this lump in my throat. That word home, seemingly so harmless. So why did it feel like my heart had been ripped out? It was only then that it sank in. New York City was somewhere across the ocean, thousands of miles away. Barcelona was home now. For how long? I wasn't sure. Oh, I thought she was just going for the summer. I guess I don't even... Is it summer? Yeah, it's summer. Okay, but she doesn't know. Suddenly, the car pulled over next to a building with colorful fans and parasols decorating the facade. A fancy green dragon jutted out from the corner and held a bamboo lantern in its grasp. You live here? I didn't mean to say it out loud, but the words just slipped out. Abuela Lola laughed. I wish. No, this building is called Casa Bruno Cuadros. The original owner had an umbrella shop on the ground floor over a 100 years ago. Now it's a bank and a destination for tourists interested in architecture. She paid the driver and we got out of the car. My apartment is a few blocks away, but vehicles aren't allowed on the side streets. They're strictly for pedestrians and bicycles. I looked down the alley where she was heading. It was, it really was an alley. It wasn't, but it wasn't filled with trash cans. The pavement was made of weathered slabs of rock and the buildings were old, not regular kind of old, but the kind that made you feel like you'd stepped out of a time machine. Like at any moment, some medieval soldiers on horseback would come galloping toward us, except there were tourists, lots of them. It was sort of a shock. Nothing was familiar to me. Well, maybe the tourists. New York City had a lot of those, too. Still, even with the somewhat familiar tourists swarming around me, I stood there transfixed. I wasn't like them. I wasn't here to sightsee, to sample the local cuisine, to buy souvenirs, and then go back home. This wasn't just a vacation. This was my life now. Come, Alba, said Abuela Lola from up ahead. I yanked my rolling suitcase and tried to catch up. You really live here? I repeated. She nodded. Since 1968, I was was eight years old when we moved to Spain from the Philippines. Back then, the Barrio Gotico, this neighborhood, was even more amazing. It was always a tourist attraction, but nothing like it is today. We kept on walking for another block or so. I ogled at everything and everyone, with my mouth hanging open like a big dope. I coughed. My throat, my tongue, 
Even my teeth were dry, as if all the saliva had evaporated from the heat. Abuela Lola placed her hand on my arm. You know what, Alba? I think we're in need of some refreshments. She pulled me into a shop, suitcase and all. Oye, ¿qué tal, Magda? said the blue-aproned lady behind the counter. Muy bien, Nuria. Tengo mi nieta Alba conmigo desde los Estados Unidos, said Abuela Lola. The blue-aproned lady smiled, clapped her hands together, and winked. Ah, sí? Te daré los mejores entonces. Oh, crap. Spanish. I'd almost forgotten that people here didn't speak English. I mean, I guess some of them did. Maybe. Hopefully. God, I'm screwed. <laughs> Abuela Lola led me to a small table for two. Nuria's churros are the best in the neighborhood. Don't let anyone tell you otherwise. I sat. Not even a minute went by, and Nuria appeared with a tray. She placed a, she placed a plate of sugary fried dough sticks and two cups of thick hot chocolate on the table. Buen provecho, she said before going away. Mm. It was the same sound Abuela Lola had made when she'd hugged me at the airport, except she was dunking one of the dough sticks into the chocolate. She bit into it and made a face like she was eating the best thing ever. So, Alba, I'm just going to ask you, because I'm a believer in being straightforward. Do you identify as a girl, a boy, somewhere in between? I gulped. That was so what I wasn't expecting. Oh, I think her grandma's going to be super cool and with it and understand about gender stuff. Apparently not like her parents. Nobody had ever asked me that. I mean, really asked me. The kids at school, my teachers, complete strangers, even my parents. People just made assumptions. Abuela Lola took another bite of her churro. Well, don't look so shocked, Alba. I'm a modern woman. I know about these things. Whatever it is, just speak up and tell me so I don't hurt your feelings. I glanced at the churros, at the little cup of hot chocolate, at my sneakers, at the door. Should I run? My feet twitched. I stayed put, though. Where would I go, anyway? I looked up and met Abuela Lola's gaze. I had expected someone colder, more distant, someone more like mom. But my grandmother wasn't like that. At least I didn't think so. Unless she was putting on an act, like trying to be that cool hip grandma that was chill with everything, but in reality, deep down, was just doing it to earn brownie points? Hmm. I couldn't figure it out. Not yet, anyway. I squinted at her. Even if she was faking at it, even if she was faking it, at least she cared enough to make an effort. I cleared my throat. Um, I'm a girl. I mean, you can call me she, her. I'm just more comfortable this way. I ran my head through my short, messy hair. I can't do the dresses, the makeup, all that girly stuff. Feels like I'm in a costume. Like I can't breathe, you know? I stopped talking and waited for her to react. Abuela Lola took another bite of her churro. Then she smiled, the kind of smile that made all the wrinkles on her face stand out. I appreciate your honesty, Alba. It's rare for a girl your age to know who she is, you know? To be so confident, so true to herself. I admire that. Tears started stinging my eyes, but I held my breath and pushed them back. I didn't want her to see how much I was hurting. It was too soon for that. Thank you, I said. She nudged the plate toward me. Now go ahead, eat your churros. They're not any good once they get cold. To be honest, I was kind of queasy, but I took one anyway. Dunking it in the thick hot chocolate, I bit into it. The dough was warm. The chocolate sweet, but not too sweet. Mmm, it was pretty good. Kind of great, actually. When we arrived at Abuela Lola's apartment building, the first thing I noticed was the Chinese restaurant on the ground floor. There was a mustard yellow awning with Chinese characters, and underneath it, a sign that said, Restaurante Chino. To make it even more cliche, a, a row of red fabric lanterns hung across the entire facade. Everyone, everyone wanted Chinese food in the 1960s. 60s. It was all the rage. 
So when we moved here, my mother and father opened this restaurant. Oh, that's interesting. They opened a Chinese restaurant, even though they were from the Philippines. Abuela Lola picked, uh, pointed at the windows on the second floor. I live up there. Most days it smells like fried rice, but you get used to it. But why not Filipino food? You're not even Chinese, I said. Ha, that was my question. Abuela Lola shrugged. Nobody even knew what Filipino food was back then. But don't worry, the food is good. Our cook, Sue, has been with us for 15 years, and his wife, Ting, manages the place. I just signed the checks, that's all. Oh, well, come on, let's get you settled in. We climbed a small set of stairs that led inside to a narrow, a narrow foyer um, with a black and white tile floor, a curved staircase, and an elevator inside an iron, inside an ornate wrought iron cage. It was what I would call a contraption, something ancient and probably not all that safe. Does that thing actually work, I asked? Abuela Lola opened the cage door. Of course it works. Just because it's old doesn't mean it's broken. I pulled my suitcase into the closet-sized elevator. It was so small that our shoulders were pressed together. After a second, the door creaked shut, and we ascended very, very slowly. We're here, Abuela Lola announced. We exited the elevator. The hallway was jam-packed with potted plants, and there were two doors on opposite sides. Eduardo and Manny live over there. They own an antique shop a couple of blocks away, and this is us, she said, leading me to the indigo blue door. The keys jangled as she unlocked it. As soon as we walked in, I smelled it. Fried rice. <laughs> the expression on my face must have been a dead giveaway because Abuela Lola winked and said, I told you. For a minute, I lingered in the entryway, taking it all in. Every nook and cranny was filled with strange little figurines, framed photographs, and shelves of old books. Covering the wooden floors were throw, were throw rugs in a jumble of patterns, and the furniture was a mix of old and new, the centerpiece being the raspberry-colored col velvet sofa. It was so different from our apartment in New York. Not just the way it was decorated, but the feel of it. Warm, cozy, lived in. That was it. Abuela's pla Abuela Lola's place was filled with memories and stories. Layers and layers of them compiled over the years. I held my breath for a couple of seconds, overwhelmed. Abuela Lola wandered from one room to another. I should call your mother. Hmm, now where did I leave it? Aha! She emerged from the kitchen with a cordless phone in her grasp. Her finger poked at the numbers, and then she held it against her ear. She focused her eyes on one of the nearby rugs as her bare feet shuffled from side to side. Thump, 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 thump. My heart was beating in my ear. Hola, Isabel. Yes, she's here. No, no, she's fine. We had some churros, and now we're at home. Uh-huh. Okay. Abuela Lola glanced at me. I stuck my hand out. Thump, thump. Can, can I? All right. Goodbye, Isabel. She hung up. It was silent. <gasps> I can't believe she didn't even want to talk to her. Except it seemed that inside my stomach, my heart, my head, everything shattered, crashed, crumbled. My entire world had finally fallen apart. And I was done. Done pretending everything was okay. I gasped for breath, and then seven words drifted out of me. She didn't want to talk to me? Oh, sweetie. A bit, Abuela came closer, hand outstretched. I let go of my suitcase. My knees wobbled. I crumpled to the floor, tears streaming down my cheeks. All I could hear was mom's voice as if she was right there. Crying is undignified, Alba. I squeezed my eyelids together hard. Instead of the blackness, I kept on visualizing my mom seated across from me. Except she was at home on her favorite chaise. Chaise? Like a couch, I think. Or a fancy chair. Not here, in Abuela Lola's apartment. At first she was peering at me, but then she looked down at her beige Fedagamo flats and cleared her throat. Uh, I don't know what that means. 
like some kind of fancy shoes. I wonder if this is a memory or if this is really her grandma. Okay, she's imagining her mom. Imagining her mom looking down at her fancy shoes. I think it's time, Alba. She had said so softly, it came out sounding like a whisper. Time for what? Lunch? Yoga? A walk in the park? Maybe she wants to talk, or God forbid, send me to a therapist. Oh yeah, that's totally her remembering her mom. I snap back, I snap my back straighter and frown, focusing my gaze on anything but mom's eyes. The blue upholstery behind her, the hardwood floors gleaming beneath her feet, the tassels of the Turkish rug by the dining table, the huge waxy green leaves of the fiddle leaf fig tree by the window. Finally, I glanced back at mom. The silence was deafening. Time? I repeated out loud. Mom adjusted herself on the chaise as if she was uncomfortable. The way she was looking at me, it seemed, I don't know, kind of weird, impersonal, like she was interviewing a new housekeeper or something. I'm guessing that, I'm getting the sense that her parents have a lot of money. And just from all the th the, the things they keep dropping, like brand names and having a housekeeper and being very formal. I don't know, just, just, a, just a guess. For a change, I've been thinking about it for a long time. Her voice trailed off, thinking about what? Thump, 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 thump. I could feel my heartbeat all over. Mom cleared her throat again. I've been thinking it might do you some good to go live with Abuela Lola for a while. What? I stood, my hands curling into fists. She'd made such threats before, but I never believed she would make good on them. I've made up my mind, Alba, she said. I took a step toward her. You mean Dad's made up his mind, right? She shook her head. A wisp of her carefully quaffed hair escaped, caressing her cheek. No, this was my decision. Your father has... I mean, we have some things to sort out. It'll be better if you're away for a while. No, I shouted. You can't make me. Yes, I can, she said calmly. Oh, calmly. Yes, I can, she said calmly. I could feel the anger, the heat of it, burning inside of me, burning so furiously that within seconds it was outside of me, making my skin flushed, knuckles white. There was so much I wanted to say to scream at the top of my lungs, but I couldn't. My throat was clenched. My tongue went limp. I did the only thing I could. I ran. Alba, she shouted. I ran as fast and as far away as I could. A lot of good that did. Mom was right. She could make me go away. And she did. Whew. I have a feeling. I don't know about you, but I have a feeling that her life with Abuela Lola is going to be a lot lovelier than how things have been with her parents because already like she's talking about how it feels so warm and how loving her abuela is and she's already like sensitive to her identity and stuff like that so i'm hoping this gets a little less intense Whew, deep breath all right chapter five abuela lola's kitchen was a real kitchen it was the kind with well-worn appliances chopping boards with tons of knife marks jars filled with herbs and spices, tomato-stained towels, and a collection of pots and pans hanging from the ceiling. Back in New York, our kitchen was something out of a showroom, chrome and granite, spotless because it wasn't a place where meals were ever cooked. Yikes. That sounds terrible. Breakfasts and lunches were purchased from the corner deli on my way to school, and dinners came from one of the delivery menus in the drawer next to the phone. Nobody ever bothered to cook for me. Here you go. This will get some color back into your cheeks. Abuela Lola put a plate in front of me with what looked like toast with something gooey and creamy on top. It's a Spanish tuna melt. What makes it Spanish is the crusty bread and the manchego cheese. You won't be eating bottled mayo or sliced supermarket bread in this household, she said, with her hands on her hips. 
I stared at the white enameled plate with painted red roses, at the green fabric napkin beside it, at the fork and knife, and the perfectly caramelized Spanish tuna melt. It was too much all at once. If Abuela Lola was putting on an act, she deserved an Oscar, an Emmy, a Tony, all the awards. awards. As I sat there in shock, the only word that popped into my head was why. Why would she make such an effort? She barely had a relationship with mom. I mean, she didn't, she almost didn't recognize me at the airport. I might have been her granddaughter, but I felt more like some random kid she picked out of a crowd. I unfolded the napkin and dabbed my eyes. Thank you, was all I could say. Any more and I might have broken down all over again. Abuela Lola sat down with a plate for herself. At first we just ate. The food was delicious and comforting. Every bite was like a warm hug. Not that I was an expert on warm hugs or anything. Huh. So this what it was, was what it was like being taken care of. I didn't even mind that my grandmother was most likely pretending for my sake. Okay, she's totally not pretending. This is for real. <sighs> it felt good, and I hadn't felt good in a long time. I sat up straighter. I wanted to say that I appreciate you letting me come here to live with you. I'll do my best. There's no need for that, Alba. You're my granddaughter. You're finally here. That's all that matters. I inhaled deep and then exhaled. Maybe everything would work out. Maybe. Phew. For the first time since arriving, I was relieved. I was unpacking in my new room. It was tiny. My, the twin bed was made up against the wall on one side. It was neatly made with periwinkle blue sheets and a floral quilt. There was a white teddy bear leaning on the pillow. On one side was a table with a bouquet of dried lavender in a vase and an old-fashioned alarm clock. On the other side was a closet and a narrow chest of drawers. The best thing about the room, though, was the huge window with a built-in seat, loads of pillows, and a set of sheer curtains to filter the sunlight. Gave the room a soft glow. I could see myself sitting there for hours watching the street, all the people and everything I'd never seen before. Okay. All right, we're going to stop there, and I'm going to go ahead and publish this so that Elliot can listen to it right away. Okay, I'll be back soon. Bye.